You know, pain is a lonesome place. I don't have to tell you, do I? It'll drop a rock in your stomach right through your pounding heart. And when your knees are so weak, you hit the ground and you finally realize you don't got this. Well, now you might just make it. You see, the tallest tree may not weather the storm, but its roots do. So dig in, stand up, and let the wind blow. Because there's hope. Hey, well, welcome to New Life Church. My name is Chris, and I just want to welcome everybody who is here at the Carney campus at Ogallala North Platte and worshiping with us online. Everybody participate. How many believe we serve a God who is very, very, very good? Can I hear you? Come on. Yes, we serve a good God, a good God. And so, man, we're, t- we're in this series called hope in the dark. And, and so, I mean, I just got some great feedback that we believe that God is good, but I just want to start by asking you a question. What do you do when what you believe about the goodness of God seems to be challenged by the darkness, by everything that you see that's going on around you? I mean, that's really the theme for this series, and we're studying the book of Habakkuk. How many grew up saying Habakkuk? Raise your hand. You grew up pronouncing it Habakkuk, so none of you are saying it right. How many grew up saying Habakkuk? Come on, raise your hand. So some of you have no clue about what word I'm using. What is this word that he's using? Well, I'm going to say Habakkuk. You say it however you want. But Habakkuk is a prophet, and there's actually a book that's only three chapters long. And so this three-week series, we're kind of diving into his prophecy and the story of God's people. Last week in chapter 1, if you, if you were here, you will know that chapter 1 doesn't end with a nice bow tied in the story, right? It kind of ended like a song that didn't resolve the chord. Have you ever heard a song and it's like the last bit's cut off, the chord's not resolved, it just left you wanting more. It's kind of like when you were a child and life seemed unfair, something that your parents were allowing or restricting you from, it just wasn't fair. And you just complained to your parents and you said, it's not fair. And what did your parents say? They said, life is not fair, right? And that was the trump card to the situation. It was kind of like, I don't have a comeback, but it left you unsettled, right? It was unresolved. Life is not fair. And so today is going to be a similar type of message. But let me just say this. There is hope in the dark. In fact, turn to your neighbor at all of our campuses, even if you're at home right now, and just tell them there is hope in the dark. Do that right now. There is hope in the dark. And every week of this series, there's hope and there's a takeaway for you, but it just might not be what you're wanting or what you're expecting. So Habakkuk, he's a prophet. He lived about 600 years before Jesus came on the scene uh, in his earthly ministry. And so he is serving as a prophet. A prophet is simply a, you know, a, a man or a woman who is assignment is to stay connected to God and then speak to God's people on behalf of God. The book of Habakkuk, the, the prophecy that he gives is kind of an interesting, very unique to the other 
uh, prophet books that we see in Scripture where we don't really necessarily see uh, in his writing this declaration like I'm giving you right now in a sermon to God's people. He's, it's almost as if we're reading his journal about this prophecy and this conversation that Habakkuk is having with God. And through that, the prophecy comes through. And so God's people... Uh, were Judah at this point, the northern kingdom of Israel, which we commonly you know, refer to Israel as God's people, but, but there was a northern kingdom of Israel and then a southern kingdom of Judah, and about 100 years previous, Israel, the northern kingdom, was already conquered, and so Habakkuk is this prophet to Judah, and they at one time were living in the blessing of the Lord, they were living a very prosperous existence and, and honoring God, but right now they're in rebellion towards God. They are, you know, evil. They, they are rejecting God. And so the prophet, the man of God's very frustrated with God's people. And, and you will go back to chapter one. If you'll do that uh, on your own, you'll read about how Habakkuk, he's just angry uh, about God's people. It's kind of can, can be confusing because you can think he could be angry about the enemy. That's going to come in a moment. But at the beginning, he's angry at the sin of Judah. And he asks God, basically, God, how long are you going to let them get away with this? And so now in, cha- in chapter one, now God's going to come and respond to the prophet. And, and if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, finally, God's going to speak. God's going to do something. And finally, God's going to turn it all around. But here's what God says. And we'll go back to chapter one. He says, basically, he says, I'm going, this is what I'm going to do for my people. I'm going to raise up your enemy who is worse than you, more evil than you. And I'm going to use them to conquer you in order to discipline you. I mean, that was the answer that God gave the prophet as he's experiencing this darkness of God's people and what they're doing, God says, okay, I'm going to do, in fact, it says, I, what I'm going to do is going to blow your mind. You're not, you can't even imagine what I'm going to do. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, yes, God's going to do a miracle. God's going to come through. What is God going to do? He's going to conquer you through your evil, wicked enemy, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. It's not fair. If I'm the prophet, I'm thinking, man, God, it's already dark. Now it's going to get darker. This is not fair. We're going to be conquered. And, you know, sometimes for us, we face a, we face a dark season. And it's a dark season like the, the people of Judah. It was a season of their own making because of their sin. Sometimes that happens to us. And we are in a dark season because of our own sinfulness, our own rebellion towards the Lord. Sometimes we're like the prophet that... We're in a dark season, but it has nothing to do with my personal sin and just kind of swept up into the society, the culture, the family, the the fallout of other people's sin. And sometimes that happens. And and my aim today is not really to dive into, I would love to do this, uh, but there's not enough time to dive in what was going on you know, with God's people. Why did God allow this dark season to happen? And really my aim is not to dissect with you, help you figure out why you're going through a dark season, if you are, or if one day you will, why it's happening, but to really look in general, how does the man or woman of God respond? How do we find hope when it is dark? 
How do we walk through a season of darkness and find hope? And so have you ever faced a dark season? All of our locations, you know, just do this. I can't see you if you're online or at another campus, but those around you can see you. Raise your hand if you would say, I've been through a season. I would categorize it as a dark season. Everybody raise your hand. You've been through a dark, a tough time, a trial, a challenge. It's dark. You're wrestling with God. You don't understand what's going on, and it's dark. I remember 17 years ago, And Lynette and I, we just found out we were pregnant with our second child. And I'm really not sure why men say we were pregnant, you know, speaking of them and their wife. But uh, we were expecting our second child, Ryan. And that was a joyous time. Literally within a day or two, I was called into my boss's office. And I was a youth pastor at a church, so my boss was the lead pastor and I'd been serving there, loving my job, loving serving teenagers. I mean, God was showing up in our youth services. We, were, we had our youth auditorium full, and the altars were full with kids seeking, going after God. Man, we were having a blast. We loved serving at this church. And so I got called into his office, and it started this way. He said, Chris, first of all, you've done nothing wrong. Now, how many know that, uh, you know that you're wondering where this is going? Chris, you've done nothing wrong. You're a great guy. You're a great pastor. You're a great preacher. You know, he's really building me up, right? How many know when someone's building you up in a meeting, something's about to happen, right? You're, there's nothing. You're amazing. You're awesome. I'm like, well, thank you. I'm expecting a raise now, right? But he said, he said it's simply, Chris, that you are not cut out to be a youth pastor, And so basically, take as long as you want, but you need to find another job. We just found out that we were expecting our child. Then I find out that I am being encouraged to leave. At the same time, Lynette's father, Lynette at that time was 17 years younger than she is now, so she was really young, right? And her father was battling leukemia. A few months later, just a few short months later, we would attend his funeral with Lynette in her final trimester of the pregnancy. So I was losing my job. I was told I wasn't cut out to be a pastor, the calling on my life challenged. We were losing, we lost her father. And then we had our second child, Ryan. And what should be, you know, a, a joy and a delight in a tough, a tough, tough season of our life turned into another nightmare as we found out that Ryan had a massive infection in his lungs. He couldn't oxygenate the blood in his body. He had uh, where his lung kept popping, and he had to go on what's called ECMO. You can look that up and see how amazing that is, and so it is actually amazing. But we were in a season of having to think about planning our baby's funeral, And and all this was going on, and it was like a pressure cooker in my life. What do you do when it's dark? What do you do when you feel like you can't breathe and you don't understand? And I tell you my story, not to, not to compare. Some of you have been through far more challenging seasons, but just to kind of share my story. I've been through moments in my life where I just couldn't breathe. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, God, where are you? What's going on? And, and so today, if, 
If you're there, I think I have a message that's going to bring you some hope in the dark. If you're not there, maybe someday you will go through this, and hopefully you'll remember, write some things down, that we can learn from the prophet, the man of God, and how he handled a dark season. So I want to look at three things that Habakkuk did in, in chapter 2 of his book. And when everything is dark and you don't know what to do, what do you do? And this first one is for some of you today, this first one, you're going to get this, and man, it's going to change your life. This first one is right where you're at. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And this is what he did. Hear him out. Everybody say, hear him out. Hear if you don't know what to do, first of all, I want to just challenge you to do what he did and position yourself to hear from God. When God is not doing what you want him to do, what you prayed for him to do, what you expect him to do, what you've seen him do for other people, some of you, you just walk away. Some of you begin to doubt your faith is rock. Some of you stop going to church. You stop reading your Bible or praying. Some of you just run from God altogether and, and go to the opposite extreme to other vices. But the prophet, he doesn't do that. Instead of doing all of that, we saw last week where he, he wrestled with God. He asked those questions, but he came to a point where he stopped and he positioned himself in the most strategic place. And that's to hear from God. Look what he did in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I love this. I, if you read it, there's a subtlety to what's going on here that you could imagine that there's a little bit of an attitude in the prophet when he says this, right? He says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a place where I can hear from God, and then I'm going to see if he can answer my complaint. But let's overlook that for a moment and just acknowledge that he positioned himself in a place where he could do what? He could hear from God. This is so important when we're walking through difficult times to position ourselves to say, I will get into a position to a place where I can hear from God. I've poured out my heart to him. I've wrestled with him. Now I want to get to a place where I can hear from God. Now let me just tell you, this is not easy when you're facing tough times, when you're hurting inside, right? What you want to do, everything within your human nature naturally wants to not just wait to hear from God, but to keep talking to God, to keep wrestling with Him, to keep complaining to Him, and then, then tell Him what He should do. You even open up Scripture and say, look, you did it for this person, this person, and this person in the same situation. You'll, you'll tell Him, God, you can do this, you should do this. God, give me my job back. God, defend me to my boss. God, let everybody else see how my boss is wrong. God, heal my father-in-law. Just do a miracle in Ryan, Ryan's life. God, give me a, you know, this is what you should do. And, I, and don't get me wrong, there's, no, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's important. We looked at it last week for us to pour out our heart to God, to pray, to call out to God. But at some point, we need to stop telling God what he's supposed to do and get into a position where we can now hear from him. And here's what I want to encourage you with, is our God is a God who speaks. Our God is a God who wants to reveal himself to you. How does he do that? Well, the number one way, because some of you are looking for an audible voice, and let me just tell you, God may do that for you. God does do that. I believe that God can speak to you in an audible voice. 
But God has also already revealed his voice to us through his word. I want to encourage you, if you're in a dark place, to discipline yourself, to get into God's word every single day. That is the picture of what we see Habakkuk doing. He positioned himself to hear from God. Well, how do you do that? You get into God's word and let God's word speak to you. God is going to speak to you by putting impressions upon your spirit. Your spirit is that eternal part of you. It's the part that connects with God. And he's going to speak to you. Normally, he's going to speak to you by his spirit. And let me just tell you, that can be louder than audibly. When God speaks to you by putting impressions upon your spirit. God can speak to you through people. I'm certainly hoping he can speak to you through people today. That's why I'm up here he can speak to you through a song. I remember early this morning before, before the service, the worship team was, was playing here at the Kearney campus. They were practicing. I was the only one in here besides them. And God's power and presence was so powerfully in this place. And it was amazing that God began to speak to me through the song that they were singing. And then we got to sing. We're going to get to sing here in just a little bit. God can speak to you through a song. He can speak to you through a circumstance, through a person. And if you do not hear him right away, you position yourself to hear him. If you don't hear him right away, don't panic. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't panic. Come on. Don't panic. All right, everybody who doesn't have a neighbor, I'm looking at you. Don't panic. Come on. Don't panic. Don't panic. If God doesn't speak to you right away, don't freak out. Just because God at times causes you to wait for him in silence doesn't mean he's distant, doesn't mean he's absent, doesn't mean he's forgot about you somewhere. Now, honestly, let me just share something with you about hearing from God that I think you need to be prepared for. Sometimes what God wants to say to you and will say to you is something that you do not want to hear. Has anybody ever experienced that in your life where you're waiting for God and God finally spoke to you and it was something you did not want to hear, right? Anybody? Yeah. And that's what he did with the prophet. He says, I'm going to bring your enemy to conquer you. And by the way, when he's speaking to Habakkuk, he's speaking to the people he represents. I'm going to bring your enemy who's worse than you, more evil than you, to conquer you. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, especially when you look at how Habakkuk wrestled with God and his anger, right, at God's inaction or perceived inaction, then I'm responding, God, then why am I even here? Why am I even talking to you? Why am I complaining to you? That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for more darkness. I'm not looking for you to bring our enemy to conquer us. I'm looking for you to just turn this all around. Sometimes God's going to give you an answer, give you a word that you don't want to hear. There's another example of this in the New Testament. Uh, a man named Paul, or Saul, Saul or Paul, same person. And we refer to him sometimes as the Apostle Paul by his title. He wrote much of the New Testament, or I should say the Holy Spirit wrote much of the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. And there was an instance in his life that we get to read in Scripture where it says that, Paul had this thorn in his flesh. It was an irritant. It was something that was standing in the way of him feeling like he could um, you know, serve God with, with all his heart or something like that. We don't know what it is, though some theologians waste their time trying to figure out what it is and imagine what it could possibly be. It doesn't say. If we were to know, it would say, right? 
But there was some irritant, something that was in his way. And the Bible says that Paul pleaded with the Lord, pleaded with the Lord three times to take this thorn from him. And with Paul's credentials, if anybody could, (laughs) if we could argue that God should answer this little prayer. God, would you please just answer his prayer? It's the Apostle Paul. Much in the New Testament is going to be written through him. If it, if it were you, if it were me, we might say, God, do you know who I am? I'm the apostle, Paul, right? But God says to him, when he pleads with him to remove this, God says, no. How many of you have ever been told no by your parents? Come on, see some young people in the Carney campus right now. If you're listening online, have your parents ever said no? Parents, if you haven't said no today, make it your action step to say no to something. They want to go to, they want to go to uh, McDonald's today? Just say no. Whatever they ask for, say no. All right. We've all heard the answer no. Well, God told Paul no, basically. But then God says this. He says, my grace will be sufficient for you. No, I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm not going to remove it. I'm not going to exercise my power in the miracle of removing this from you. But I'm going to give you something else. It's my grace. And that's going to be sufficient for you. Depending on what it is, it's maybe grace of forgiveness or grace that's sustaining grace that God's going to see him through. Again, God, do you know who I am? I don't want your grace to sustain me. I want your power to remove it from me. That perhaps could have crossed my mind 17 years ago. God, don't you, don't you know? Don't you remember what we've been doing for you in ministry? We've given our lives for this. I don't want your grace. I don't want you just to walk with me. I want you to act on my behalf and take this from me. And sometimes God tells us what we we need to hear and what we really truly need, but we don't want to hear. Sometimes it's no, but I'm going to give you something that's so much better, my grace. But you have to get into position. That's what I love about the prophet. He got into a position and he said, I will get to a place where I can hear from God. And then when you listen, you get a place you can hear and you listen. Eventually, God's going to speak to you. Remember, I said God is a God who speaks. Amen? He's a God who speaks. Eventually, he's going to speak to you. And then the next thing you need to do, this is going to rub you the wrong way. Some of you are going to rebel when I reveal what this next step is and say, I don't have to do that. That's not me. I don't do that kind of thing. All right? Just position yourself that you're going to do it. Everybody, before you see what it is, raise your hand and say, I'll do it, Pastor Chris. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Come on. All right, here it is. You ready? It's big. Number two, write it out. Everybody say, write it out. If you're listening and not watching, that's W-R-I-T-E, write, write it out. Let's look at verse 2 in Habakkuk, chapter 2. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets. All right, so God is going to reveal to him a word, a promise, and God says to him, write it out. Write it out. So number one, hear him out. Get into a position where you can hear him and then write it out. Why do you need to write it out? Because some of you really need some help. You, you promised you would do it. Now you're not, I don't need to write things down, right? I remember. I remember everything. Do you know sometimes I get out my phone and I text myself. Anybody do that? You need to remember something. You text yourself. Don't forget this, right? You need to write it out. Why? Why do you need to write it out, especially when it's dark 
And God speaks to you because eventually he's going to speak. He's going to give you a promise, a word, direction. Why do you need to write it out? Why? Because there's an enemy and he wants to steal what God is doing in your life. He wants to rob the word from you. God gives you peace. What does he want to do? He wants to steal it. That's his nature. He came, the thief came, Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to take it from you. God gives you increased faith. What does he want to do? He wants to steal it. God gives you a word. He gives you a message, an assignment. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to steal it. For some of you new lifers, this happened last Sunday. Last Sunday, let's go back to last Sunday. Those of you that were here at one of our campuses, maybe you even watched online and you heard a message from God about wrestling with God. God spoke to you. God did something in your heart, in your life. And then what happened? Later that day, something happened and it was stolen from you. You're on the drive to the restaurant. The kids are yelling and screaming, right? You know, they're, they're fighting about whether or not to go to McDonald's or whether or not to go to um, where God would want you to go. And that's some barbecue restaurant, you know, or wherever you're... No, God would go to a Mexican restaurant, right? Come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> Chips and salsa. God would go to wherever your wife wants to go, guys. And, but there's tension. And, or something more significant happened. Maybe it, something didn't even happen, but you just let the cares of life and the, the pace of life come in, and then it was taken from you. Now, I'm not saying that... The drive to the restaurant and the kids arguing is demonic forces working through your kids. But the enemy is going to do, use whatever he can use to try to rob it. So write it out when God speaks to you, especially when it's dark. When God gives you a word, he gives you a promise, you need to write, write it out. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Why? He wants to take it from you. So write it down, record it, rehearse it, remember it, believe it. Don't let the enemy take it from you. About 25 years ago or so, and I was going to North Central University and preparing uh, for the ministry. I had a mentor in my life and still a mentor to this day. His name is Nate Roosh, Pastor Nate Roosh. And he was a youth pastor at that time, and I was preparing to be a youth pastor. And now he's the lead pastor of Emmanuel Christian Center in, a, in the Twin Cities. And I, I love you, Pastor Nate, if you're watching. I'm talking about you right now. And he believed in me. He believed in the call of God in my life. And I remember he gave me a word for my life from the Lord, and, he, and so I wrote it down. I wrote it down, and I still remember it, and it was this. I believe it relates to this sermon series as well. It's this, never doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light, and there was more to it, but he was speaking about my calling. That was the phrase, and I don't think that's some custom, thus saith the Lord phrase for Chris Puccini. You may have heard that phrase before in your life, but that was a word that God spoke to me about my calling. Never doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. And why, do I need, why did I need that? Why did I need to write it down? For that, there was going to be dark days. There was going to be days where I was called into my boss's office and told that what God revealed to me in the light was not really from God. I needed to remember what God said to me. The word that God gave the prophet for God's peop people ultimately was a message of hope. That even though that God was going to use the enemy to come and bring discipline to Judah, to conquer them, that ultimately God was going to turn it all around and that they wouldn't get away with it. 
And God told him to write it down. Write, write it down so that you will remember, so that when this comes to pass, you'll be encouraged that you can trust me later when I speak to you that what I said will happen. So you need to write it down. Write it down so the enemy cannot steal it from you, so that you can anchor your hope in it when you're walking through the darkness. So get into a place where you can hear from God and then listen. And when he speaks, write it down. And third, the third one, this is not fun. Come on, everybody say, this is not fun. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not going to be fun, right? You're not going to want to do this one. I should trick you and get you to promise to do it. Right? You need to... Position yourself to hear from God, then write it down. And this is where some of you, you're at today. You're living this today. And it's this. You need to wait it out. You need to wait it out. So wrestling with God, chapter 1, it's not fun. Waiting is so much worse. How many love to wait? No, it's worse. Position myself to hear I heard from God, I've written it down, and then what? Then you wait. Wait for the faithfulness of God. Wait for God to come through. Now, now I understand, I mean, waiting doesn't necessarily mean, because we can get confused about this, that waiting means I do nothing, I just sit around, and I'm lazy. No, you're waiting on God, right? Get that. I don't have time, the time's running out, but I just want to make sure you get that. Doesn't mean that you don't do anything, that you're lazy, that you like take a break from ministry, serving, you know, doing it, you know, doing your devotions and all those things. But what you're waiting for is the faithfulness of God. And some of you are waiting. You're in a dark season. Maybe you've heard from God, but you're waiting. I've prayed, I've called out to God for my child to come back to, to Jesus, to come back to the Lord. And now I'm in a season of waiting. It feels like I've been waiting for decades for my loved one to come to the Lord. And when you look, at the situation, it seems like everything, the exact opposite of everything that you're praying for their life is happening. Is God going to hear my tears and restore my marriage? Is God going to come through for the promise and the desire to have a spouse or to have a child? Is God ever going to heal me? You wait. Don't you love that today? Isn't that just encouraging? You wait. Look what verse 3 says. This should be encouraging. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. Everybody say appointed time. Appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Some of you are walking through this right now. It's lingering. It seems like it's taking forever God gave you a promise. Maybe it was a call in your life for vocational ministry, to be a pastor or a missionary, something like that. It seems like it's taken forever. Maybe God's given you a desire to have a spouse, and it's like it's taking forever. You're not even a farmer, but you're thinking about farmersonly.com. You know, let's go there. We're going to try to try to force God's hand. And it's just lingering, right? A dream. God gave you a word, and it's still lingering. I, I love what the Living Bible, how it paraphrases this and it says this but these things i plan won't happen right away slowly steadily surely this kind of reminds me of the promise i made to my wife for the remodel in our basement she's feeling this right now these things i plan won't happen right away slowly steadily surely 
the time approaches, but for your life, for your promise, when the vision will be fulfilled, if it seems slow, do not despair. That's the message some of you need to have today. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. At the appointed time, say the appointed time. At the appointed time, God's going to come through at the appointed time, right on time. That word appointed time in the original language means perfect, unstoppable timing of God. The appointed time is the perfect, unstoppable timing of God. It's coming. Say it's coming. Come on, you get to preach with me today. It's coming. And you cannot stop it. It reminds me of when Lynette... uh, Gave birth to Chloe, and we were at the hospital just a few miles down the road here in Kearney. And Chloe was coming a lot faster than we expected. I mean, she was coming. The appointed time was here. It was almost too late for the epidural. Some of your ladies, you could sympathize with my wife who was expecting to get the, I mean, if some of you are, you know, you are no epidural, amazing people, amazing women. But those of you who like to t- pain to be gone, you know, taken away from you, you know, and you're expecting it, it was almost too late. And I remember that I was helping Lynette breathe while they were giving her the epidural. That's a big needle, by the way. And I'm helping her breathe in the, in the needle, and I went white as a ghost and almost, almost passed out. I didn't pass out. But, but Chloe's coming. The time is coming. It's faster. It's quicker. It's here. It's there. There's an appointed time, just like with her birth. For this in your life, it's going to happen when God makes a promise, when God makes a plan, it's going to happen. And if it's not God's time, you better not try to force it. How many have ever done that before? It's not God's time, you try to force it. Don't do that. When it, when it is God's time, you cannot stop it. So though it linger, wait for it. The promise today is if you wait, God's going to come through. Amen? So what do we need to know? We need to position ourselves to hear. Some of you, you've already wrestled with God, and you just keep, you keep wanting to wrestle with God. You keep wanting to complain to God, all right? At some point, you're going to have to stop, close your mouth, right, and get into a position where you can hear from him, listen for him. And then when he speaks, write it down. Don't let the enemy steal it. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Remember it, rehearse it, believe it, and then wait for it. Keep going back to it and read it. Why? So that you can have faith to make it another, another day of waiting for it. And you can wait because God, is an, God always comes through at the appointed time. The perfect, perfect, unstoppable timing of God. I think perfect should be a word, all right, by the way. His timing is perfect. Though it linger, wait for it. It's taking forever. Keep waiting. God is not distant. He is not uncooperative, and he is never, ever late. So Habakkuk, I just said Habakkuk, all right. Somebody's influencing me. So Habakkuk, he's a wreck. The Babylonians, these evil people, they're coming for his people. That's the prophecy. They're going to come. And they do, by the way. They end up doing that. And the prophet's wondering now about these people. How are these, are they going to get away with it? God, how can you let them? God, you're a God of justice. How can you let them get away with it? Read the chapter in chapter number two, and you'll find what's known as the five woes of Babylon. Basically, God promises them, I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them, right? He says, they're not going to get away with this. And then the the prophet is in this waiting season. God, when when is your justice going to come? And I don't understand it. And he kind of 
juxtaposes the evil with those who, whose heart is for God. And I believe this is, a, this is a huge point. I want to take a few moments of your time just to explain it to you. He says this in verse 4. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them. Okay, that's one picture. But the righteous live by their what? Their faith. Their faith. The New Testament echoes this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says the righteous live by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is not based on what you see, what you feel. It's not based on getting your own way, getting God to do what you think he should do. It's based on the character of God, that you can trust him, that he is good, that he will speak to you, and that he will come through at just the right time. So what is it that God's saying to you today? Some of you just need to write it down. By the way, I, I want to encourage you every week that you come, every Sunday that you come and you show up, come prepared to hear from God. Not to figure out, you know, if this message was better than last week's and what's the kind of deep, crazy point, you know, can be exposited from the sermon. But what is it that God himself wants to say to me? And then when he says it, write it down so that you can remember it so the enemy won't steal it. What do you need to write down today? Maybe it's... No matter what I see in this situation right now, I'm going to choose faith. God, I'm going to choose faith. That means I'm going, to ch- I'm going to wait on you. No matter what I feel, even in my doubts, I choose to wait on the Lord. What is it that you need to write down today? What is it that God's saying to you today? I don't see a way out, but with God, there's always a way. I'm hurting God, but I trust you today. I don't understand this, God, but I'm convinced that you are good, that you are faithful, so I will wait. We stand with me and let's pray. God, thank you for your word. That you are a God who's faithful. You are always on time. And there are circumstances that sometimes they're just beyond our control. And they're not of our own, as a direct result of our own sin or our own making. That you allow to come our way. God, first of all, may we see circumstances if we're a child of God. If we're surrendered to you, if we're walking in your ways, help us to see a great trust in you that we believe that nothing comes our way without permission from you. The enemy can't sneak something by you. Nothing comes our way without permission from you. And from there, God, may we be a people who trust you. Thank you that you invite us to wrestle with you, to engage you, to present our questions to you, our fears, our doubts, our complaints, that you are not too big for that, to handle our humanity. Thank you, God, that you want to speak to us. So maybe we'd be people who posture ourselves, quiet the outside voices. We push, we push pause on the Facebook messages and the YouTube prophecies And we say, God, I want to hear from you. We position ourselves to hear from you. May we be people who don't don't let the enemy steal it from us. May we be people of great faith who wait on you. And so I pray for my friends today, especially those who don't know you. They're not in a relationship with you. I pray that before the end of this time that we have together, that they would surrender their life to you. I pray for my friends that are going through a a dark season. God, may they be people who trust you, who engage you, who pause to listen to you.
God, I pray that you would be with them and walk, walk with them through this time. You show yourself faithful. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.